Hey everyone, and welcome to We Wrote the Book, the podcast where every episode, a bunch of theater nerds get together and try to write a brand new musical. I'm your host, Christian Adderholt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Olivia Wise. Hello, civilians. Hello, Olivia. And this this week, we actually have a producer. It's William Solar. Hello. Hey, uh, yes. Uh, I love how, like, this, this RoboCop vibe that you're giving, Olivia. That's like, Olivia Bot 3000 to you. Thank you, Olivia Bot 3000. That actually um, leads into what we're going to be talking about today. So we are actually doing a very special two-part episode. So this first episode, we are interviewing a very, very talented playwright who has a show going on right now in Austin. Um, her name is Brianna Beats, and the show she has put up, and it will be going till the end of April, is uh, Terminator the Musical. So we're really excited. We got a chance to talk to her about what makes a musical, what makes a movie musical special, how one makes a movie musical, stuff like that. And we're going to take what we learned and we're going to try and make our own version of a movie musical next episode. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into that uh, interview. podcast um <laughs> uh we'd like to start first with a little bit about your background can you just tell me uh, what got you into theater and playwriting in general uh yeah so I didn't have too much to do with theater uh besides you know like doing a few children's plays and being in a children's choir uh, when I was little, but then in um, undergrad, I started branching out. I was an English major and I started branching out into different sectors of writing. And I saw that there was a, a playwriting class offered in the theater department. Um, there wasn't. Oh, <laughs> it's no. no longer offered. Um, but I started taking like theater um, introductory type courses that led me to get a minor in theater. Um, and a lot of those courses were based around um uh, like dissecting plays and doing synopsis for story and stuff like that. And then I had a great professor um, at the University of South Dakota who uh, basically organized a workshop for me once I wrote something, got a bunch of actors together. Um, and and that was kind of when I knew I wanted to move forward in that creator position. Um, and I'd always been a fan of sketch comedy so I grew up like having that kind of comedy bone and I didn't know what to do with it. I was starting an improv group without knowing how to do improv uh, because the school I went to also had an improv club listed, but no one was running it. So they're like, <laughs> you can run it. Uh, and I said, okay, great. And I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then after that, uh, I went to get my graduate degree, my MFA um, in playwriting from the University of New Orleans. And that was where things like really blew up for me because the New Orleans theater scene was so like DIY and accessible, but like creative and exciting. And there's a lot of like old theater energy there. And, and I say that in like the best way possible. There's just, there was just so much, there was just a wealth of stuff to draw on there. And people just really let me jump in right away um, and start experimenting. So, and cool. then I furthered my improv experience and, did all of that and started getting more into sketch and like concept shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Was that once, uh, did you do that in New Orleans or was that more of when you moved to Austin getting into the improv scene? Started in New Orleans and then like transferred and kept doing it once I came to Austin. Nice. Um, so were you mainly creating your own material when you were doing stuff in New Orleans? Um, or were you, was that, were you like auditioning for other people or watching a bunch of theater there? Yeah, so the theater, uh, the playwriting program there um, is super small. There was like six or seven of us. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the the playwriting professor was so good about getting us involved in the community. So we would like enter um, these like 10 minute playwriting competitions. So like it was all um, original material at that time. And I didn't know it at the time I was writing like 10 minute plays that were just like long sketches, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they had these submissions at um, Southern Rep Theater in New Orleans, where it's a beautiful thing. I love the community there because it's like an open submission. People submit based around a theme and then they pull their winners and um, get those scripts in front of a director and a couple of actors and they get it on its feet and everyone comes and watches. And it was like 
that was the first part where it started to click of like, oh, this is great. Like my my classmates are are trying to see who's going to get picked and we're writing to a theme and like everyone else uh, is writing. It's all these other writers in the community of all ages and stuff like that. So that was that first like spark of, oh, okay, I can put what's in my head like on stage. Right. So, so what would you, uh, speaking of writing, um, what is kind of like your writing process or do you, I, I know I'm sure it's kind of a little bit different for each show, but kind of like, where do you start as a playwright, as somebody that's kind of like trained as that, what are the kind of tools that you use to figure out what you're doing next? Yeah, I just really just dump out whatever's in my head and get <laughs> something down. Um, but like over and over again, consistently in my process, it's it's not done alone. I have to be around a table of other writers, friends, whoever. Um, uh, having that feedback from other writers at that stage is pretty uh, important. So like our workshop style in grad school was we would sit around and read each other's plays out loud and then like give feedback on that. Um, but the other part of that is once actors, uh, like once you start livening up those readings and putting things on their feet, I always make changes. Like my stuff is like never done until, well, no, it's just never done. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that's so helpful to work with because I know your cast for Terminator, the musical was mostly improv people, if not all improv people. So I bet that that's like super fun to work on a show like that where people are just used to adding their own thing into the production. Yeah, that's um, I think that's what makes our show special is because it's like kind of this ensemble built thing. I mean, I had a script before, but there are certain things that I'll change based on this group I'm working with. It's it's almost like a, a band. Everyone's adding something. Um, and unlike other writers, I mean, I know some people, some playwrights will also direct. But for me, like having that connection, being a director, um, it, it's almost like I'm working out some of the parts on the page, like live and then going back to the page with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, and what what show is it that you're that you're working on right now? Terminator the Musical. OK. OK. What? Um. Where, where's that going to be at? <laughs> yeah, so um, for the rest of the month of April, uh, every Friday and Saturday night at 8 p.m., um, it's uh, in the York Wright building above the Fallout Theater, so um, in Austin on 7th Street and Lavaca. Okay. Um, and so you have you written a musical before? Or is this uh, kind of like your first <laughs> foray into this? Yeah, um, my relationship to music is interesting because I'm not... <laughs> I, I'm not a music writer. I, I would say I'm more of a lyricist. And so okay. I would just like start writing lyrics. Um, so the early stages of this musical, this was like 2014, maybe when I started writing it, um, was just like, oh, this is a funny idea. And so I just kind of followed that and um, would just write lyrics. And uh, I guess so like leading more into poetry, like that kind of side of, of creative writing. It's like, well, I like when this rhymes, and but this is also a button of a joke and um, just kind of collecting those things. But then working with a series of musicians to be like, well, it kind of sounds in my head like this song or like this song, <laughs> dictating a melody line um, and them just looking at me over and over again, like, OK, uh, until we got something. <laughs> yeah. What uh, what songs did you draw from? for inspiration because I noticed like listening back to the soundtrack and I've seen the first I think the first iteration of Terminator was what 2019 when you put it up for the first time yeah so that's technically this that was the first Austin iteration Hmm. that was my more like polished I did one workshop uh uh festival type um version in New Orleans in 2015 16 Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, in 2019, we did two different showings um, at the Fallout Theater here. Um, And since then, this new run, we've added more songs, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Oh, man, I wish I could see the new one, too. Um, But listening back to the soundtrack that's on Spotify, if anyone wants to go listen to it, it's on Spotify. It's called Terminator Mm -hmm. the Musical, I think. There'll be a link in the the description of the podcast as well. Yeah. I noticed that there's like you have some doo-wop kind of stuff like you're drawing from like old classic musical like Greece style st- or I guess that's I don't know um and then 
for the uh, like program to kill. It's more of like a rock ballad or something. So what did you draw inspiration from when picking kind of a diverse um, style of music for each song? Oh, so you hit the nail on the head, just so you know. Um, because Ballad of the... <laughs> it's, uh, there's a song called Ballad of the Dead Sarah Connors um, because the... So so Terminator the Musical um, uh, is a parody story looking at the first... Uh, the original uh, James Cameron Terminator movie from uh, the 80s and then the T2 sequel in the 90s. Um, so in the first movie, uh, Sarah... There's a bunch of different Sarah Connors and Terminator ends up killing all these these random women. So I thought it'd be fun that they have a moment to like sing about it um, after they're dead. And that was in my mind, beauty school dropout was like oh, my starting. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yep. Go ahead. so why Terminator? What, <laughs> if, if this is kind of like your first musical, it sounds like the first musical that you've written. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you decide I'm going to take two, long movies with a huge following and very complex storylines and turn it into a musical? Well, at first it was four movies because I went all the way through. Um, uh, what's Genesis? The one, the, uh, not Genesis, but the one um, with um, Anton Yelchin. That would be Terminator Salvation. Salvation. Thank <laughs> <you>. <laughs> I was like, you know, the fourth one. Um, yeah, so I originally had the first act of the musical was movie one and two. And the second act was uh, the third Terminator, um, which is not a great film <laughs> in general is kind of. That's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then salvation. Um, but through the editing process realized that that maybe wasn't the, the best approach for what I was trying to do. And I needed to simplify and I'm very happy I did that. Um, and really the first two are just classic. I mean, um, T2 was like, the highest grossing sequel movie sequel and i just love how the first one is more of a almost like a like a like a slasher film yeah um and uh the second one is just this big action-packed like extravaganza but it's still like a solid movie Mm -hmm. um i don't yeah i don't know it's not like i grew up being like this is my favorite movie but it's just something (laughs) i randomly just i don't know when you get an inkling or you know the muse strikes that sounds so corny (laughs) (laughs) when something hits you and you just like follow it i think especially when i was a younger writer i just i didn't have any filter on that i was just like i don't know i'm following this road and i would just go down it so hard before i thought like took time to evaluate anything else um but but um the i think only now, as an older adult, looking back on where I started with it, I think there was an instinct in me that I didn't recognize that I do now that I know more about myself and my style of comedy. I think I just saw contrast there between um, weighted action movie and um, uh, the, the most kind of showy musical numbers. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like prime for that, too, because it is there's such corniness, especially in the first one with all, I mean, like in your musical, you're drawing on like the chase scenes and like how funny that stuff is to watch now, like looking back at the special effects and all of that, like we can kind of laugh about how cheesy some of the sci-fi is about it. So to pull that out and make it a parody just makes sense too. Like I see why you saw that and we're like, I need to make a new, a new version of this that people can really just laugh and dig into the corniness of it. Yeah, um, and I mean, Sarah Connor's a great um, uh, uh, hero. I mean, she becomes her own hero in that movie. She starts out as a damsel, but then she ends up having to be the one to, like, try and, and save the guy who's trying to save her and kill the thing. And she it's just, I don't know, just like a cool, badass character that I've, yeah. I've always found interesting. Yeah. Do you, uh, have you seen other musicals that are based off of movies? I mean, we have so many of them and a lot of them are like cult classics, like Heathers and Shrek. (laughs) Um, Mean Mean Girls. Girls. Yeah. William's personal favorite, Step It Up. Uh, Oh, I haven't seen that. Sorry, not Step It Up. Um, It's the one about cheerleading. Oh, Bring It On. Bring It On. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. Music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean. Yes. Some of it. Is <laughs> what? I didn't know that. Is it one of those you know things exactly? That you can, yeah, you, you know exactly when. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like they go to the inner city school, and then it's like, oh, oh here's no. the Lin-Manuel Miranda versus. Yeah. Um, and it's it's also just his, like, signature style. It's funny because I don't think he talks about that one. Like, I think that was just a paycheck for him. Hmm. Um, yeah. U- UT Austin did, uh, for their summer stock, they did that um, that that musical. And um, I enjoyed it. The story, the story is not solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of flips. There's a lot of spectacle. And uh, so, so, some of the songs the are fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... I don't know. I think about it of like, which, how often do we go overboard with turning movies into musicals? What, what musicals yeah, have merit we, of being made? You know? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, the, and there's still some more that, that are, you know, fairly recent. Cause like you've got ghost Rocky mm-hmm. was a musical. Carrie. Sister act was turned into a musical. Carrie lasted for no time. <laughs> um, but it was. Uh, Back to the Future, the musical on uh, in out. London. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't know about that one. Mm-hmm. Is that also um, a parody? I think it's more like. I don't think it's a parody. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, I think they actually have the permission of the scriptwriter. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, Robert Zemeckis? I think so. I just yes. know that they have like all the blessings that they need. So I think mm. they're doing it pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's funny, but like probably in the same way the movies are funny. Right. I'm assuming in- you didn't call up James Cameron and we're like, hey, hey, hey Jimmy, <laughs> I got something for you. Hey, Mr. C. Um, no, uh, in uh, in Houston, there's an Evil Dead musical. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I was going to bring that so up. Much yeah. Fun. Uh, that one is great. People love that one. Um, when I was getting connected um, with this director in New Orleans, uh, he had been doing Night of the Living Dead, the musical, uh, Evil Dead musical. Like his thing was kind of like horror-esque uh, musicals mm-hmm. in different fashions. He ended up did, there's a Lizzie Borden musical um, mm-hmm. that he directed. And so like he was a mentor for me throughout my process, uh, like giving me the insights of someone who does a lot of stage theater um like what I should be doing with my script and then we had a lot of back and forth talks where like you know I was such a part of that process of like almost being a third director in the room because we had two Mm. it was co-directed him and uh someone else um yeah so it was Christopher Bentavania of CM on stage uh production so if you're ever in New Orleans and you see something by CM on stage go go see it um but that's where I learned like okay these things like like they can be um you know filled with horror and action and whatever, but we're drawing on the camp of it mm-hmm. and leaning into that for like the, the fun of it. But you have to take it seriously. Cause like the definition of melodrama is actually like, you know, like you're so emphatic and like, so into it. It's not like you're trying to overact. It's just how it comes across like a soap opera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and using that's that for humor. Interesting too. Cause I mean, thinking of how I experienced like Heather's the musical when I watch Heather's the movie, it's a little too dark for me. I think like, I don't know. I, I can't enjoy it naturally because it's just like, this is, this is horrifying in a way. And I understand it's supposed to be like a, a satire. Um, but with the musical, I think it adds in that layer of like the extra campiness that <laughs> gives it some levity or something that just makes it more enjoyable. Um, yeah. And I'm guessing Toxic Avenger, the musical too. Ooh. Is another one. Oh God! <laughs> yes, it's really, it's really good. It's, it's funny. So much fun. <laughs> yeah. I I remember there. I'm about to to sound old. There used to be a TV channel called G4 on uh, it was cable yep. TV, and it was like mm-hmm. the gaming channel. But during the summer, when people were out of school, people would watch it during the day, so they would just play basically whatever. And there was a summer where they played all three of the Toxic Avenger movies, or however many there were. They're all basically the same movie, nonstop, <laughs> from like eight a.m. to like to like five p.m. for a month and a half. And so, <laughs> and like anytime I was bored with what I was watching, I would go watch parts of the Toxic Avenger. So I think I have watched all of the Toxic Avenger movies out of order, in a out of order, and in like fifteen minute snippets. <laughs> I'm gonna admit I don't right. know what Toxic Aveng- Avengers is. I am imagining like the anti-Marvel. <laughs> like, what are we? Uh-huh. Um, so, about? a quick and dirty. I think the storyline is that like this guy. I can't remember if he's a janitor or not, but like he I think gets he's a janitor. Um, like 
Yeah, he's a, he he's, a, he's a mop boy. I believe is how they describe it in the film. <laughs> like Joe Mop Jackie. And it takes place in Tromaville, which is like a New Jersey reference. And um, he gets covered in toxic waste. And so he's like this grotesque thing, but he's like a superhero. Like he has powers. Okay. And he tries to like, yeah, it's a little bit like Revenge of the Nerds kind yeah. of. It's like the like... garbage pale kids version of the Avengers. Yes. It's essentially, <laughs> yeah. he's essentially like not Solomon Grundy, but like the anti-Superman. Um, he kind of looks a little bit like, um, he looks like the, the guy from the Goonies. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> He looks wow. a little bit like him mixed with like an orc from uh, Lord of the Rings is how I would yeah. say the Toxic Avenger looks. And the leading lady, like the love interest, um, she's a blind librarian. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. And so like she falls in love with him for him. Yeah. Oh, man. Which is, uh, yeah. which is also another superhero reference. It goes real deep. It's 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 a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> So what did you feel like for Terminator? Obviously you said you 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 really liked the contrast of it. You really liked kind of like how the story takes where where it's going. Like you you know like she, Sarah Connor starts as a damsel and becomes like this badass who becomes even more badass in the second one. Um but like what parts of Terminator were you like when you were setting out to write the musical? This has to be in it. If I'm writing a Terminator musical, these beats have to be there. Yeah, I'm going to answer that by not answering that at first. Um, sh the the thing I love that like I have what makes it more than just like a, a series of sketches, you know, parodying like these moments in the movies mm -hmm. is like there's this through line for me of like love and family that I think is super interesting that like is fun to poke at or bring out. There's a lot of like father figures and like a weird love triangle where the son sends the dad back in time and it's this whole chicken <laughs> and the egg thing and it's like so bizarre to me um but and this idea of like this kid and and this this robot sent to protect him is actually kind of like his dad a little bit I, I just love that stuff yeah um and then you have like dyson's family and and that whole like uh uh dynamic of like the family that's working versus the the kid who was in and out of foster care and like all this stuff, um, but but that's that's to go back to the question now. <laughs> some of some some of the things I do, like I have that through line, and that's what kind of connects us story wise a little bit more and grounds us. But then, like the little moments that I can make fun of that are close to the movie are really fun for me. So, um, for example, her fight with um, uh, Terminator at the end of like the first movie, which is the end of our first act, um, well, almost the end. That is a wrestling match, <laughs> but that's because the performers are, are wrestlers. It just kind of happened organically and it just worked really well for us. Um, but then she says like, you've been terminated bitch instead of in the movie. It's like, you've been terminated fucker. And I'm like, these little things that don't matter, but to me, I think are funny where I'm like, it's like this, but slightly different. Um, there's a few meta moments, even just calling out James Cameron or Arnold and like, like little tiny, like peek back the curtain, but not really like, um, too much to be like, look at us making fun of this movie. Right. It's yeah. like, we stay grounded, stay acting, uh, you know, in the moment. Um, I mean, there's a moment where Kyle Reese, Sarah's trying to explain like, oh, we need like a big action movie finale to like, you know, kill him. And he's like, what's a movie? And so just like <laughs> these little moments that we can play with like who the characters are. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I like, I like, there's a million examples of that where it's like, if you're watching the movie clip and then you watch the, the musical, you'd be like, Oh, I see what mm -hmm. you did there. It's like these little tweaks. And if people catch it, great. You're a fan of the movie and you're having fun with us. But there's also a whole musical happening that like you don't have to have the context of the movies to enjoy. Right. And uh, going off of the wrestling scene, um, I think that's so fun that you're you're taking those kind of creative freedoms to add in these elements that embrace the movies like tropes and and cheesiness but add in that layer of like this can only be kind of a, a theater thing like it's the thing that can really only happen live and couldn't be you know in a movie is there a favorite moment that you kind of took you know a theater perspective on something uh and embraced like the movie's taste and tone um but did it in a theatrical way I guess 
it's kind of a long yeah something question. i'm super proud of no that's a great question um something i'm super proud of is the uh en- very very end of the first act is a, a a dance number that takes place in limbo so it's after kyle reese has died and it's before john connor's born and so like on stage we just have this giant umbilical cord attached to this like <laughs> naked man playing a child um they have sensor bars and dance belts it's fine uh and so it's like uh, across time and space like be- in between the movies like this father and son get to sing to each other and it's called oh. I'll be and so it's like I'll be your save your son I'll be your future dad and it's just like a little back and forth it's almost like um I didn't realize this till recently it kind of sounds as a little bit of a musical cadence this uh of um Bohemian Rhapsody mm. <laughs> like like yeah. the soft parts of Bohemian Rhapsody um but it's like it's it's a little bit like a ballet of emotion and I'm just like yep that's like that's my s- staple of it and um of course that came in development there was a, a female uh director in New Orleans who was co-directing the workshop version, um, uh, Cami West, like her and I kind of like bouncing some ideas back and forth and like came up with the like, oh, okay, like in utero kind of in limbo. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and just like workshop that and it's, it's just so ridiculous, but like <laughs> heartfelt. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's the coolest. I think I remember seeing that when I came and saw it in 2019, I was like, there's something, the umbilical cord thing <laughs> that like stuck in my mind. So that's like one of the things that I do remember from seeing the show um, that like stuck with me since <laughs> that moment. Right. It's like outside the sphere of the movies. Mm-hmm. I, I actually added something new uh, this time around. That is what I just called the dream waltz, but it's like the doomsday dream waltz. Mm-hmm. So it's um, a moment where Sarah Connor, like she has this big in the, in the second movie has this like big, like D day vision, but like she sees her younger self. And so like we have another character coming out, uh, in her 80s get up and um and then uh t1000 comes out and they do a dream waltz to um uh it's a song that uh carnival of the animal carnival of the animals aquarium mm. which is like if you go and listen to it you've heard it somewhere before it's like an older classical song mm. and they do this like very intense um uh square waltz thing and it's like a struggle of like her and T1000 and her trying to go back to her old self. And I did not know if it was going to work. Honestly, I was very nervous about it, but I was like, this is an idea I really want to push through. And I just like got to commit to the weird thing. And and now it's working. Like now that we've opened and like people are responding well to it. I'm like, yes, that's, that's the thing I'm trying to do more of. <laughs> nice. Um, going back to songs. And I know you added some new songs um, to this recent restaging what is it uh how do you start with the song like where do you just start with a a chorus or is it the I don't know the phrase or what is the beginning part for you typically when writing yeah I'll just start writing stuff down and see what clicks it may be like again I cannot emphasize how much I don't know how to write music like I've learned throughout this process but I'm just like without shame, I'll take my ideas and be like this, let's do this. And then musicians will be like, well, your your phrases are too long and you need to do this, you need to do that. And then sometimes I'll take that information and sometimes I won't. And I'll be like, no, we're going to make it work. It's just weird. Just make it, you know, it, it, it wouldn't exist. I'll say this without all the actors, the very talented actors, um, singers who have been involved um, because it's their vocal layerings, you know, that make the arrangement. Um, We also have, uh, something unique to the show is there's a a trio um, that is like the backbone of the show. They play all these characters that die. Um, They play like the the cars and the chase scene. And like, there are these other kind of worldly elements um, that, that connect everything and give us some liberties too. like, they're allowed to break the fourth wall there. They they do a few um, special things throughout the show. Um, but their voices layered behind everything really makes things pop. And that only came from like working with them over and over again. Um, and, uh, the musician, um, I have been writing with, um, since I came to Austin, um, is Mars Wright, um, who also has, does music in Austin under the name Honey Sun. Um, I think they have some stuff on Spotify if y'all want to check it out, but like they've been more of a co-writer where, you know, I'm taking those phrases, but also they're layering in music and figuring out how to position the harmonies uh, of the trio. And it's just like one big band. 
That's so cool. So what makes, obviously the music is fun and all, all, everything like that, but what, why do you, in, in your opinion, what makes a musical work, like a, mu- a movie musical adaptation work? Obviously there's the sincerity and stuff of it, but why do people like it so much? Why do you think people kind of gravitate towards these adaptations? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, My go-to answer for this is like, if you take us way back to the beginning of musicals and and, and theater in general, even Shakespeare, you're looking at uh, a lot of like um, cultural fodder that's coming from myths and you know books that already exist and like that's the the cultural literacy was you know actual books and I feel like we've had a transition since the beginning of film and especially now that we're however many decades into watching film um, and how how integral that is to our life I feel like movies are like what books and um, myths and things back then were so we're like these are the texts that we pull from Mm -hmm. is movies more so than books. And so I just think people love to see those stories that they're familiar with, that they grew up with their comfort stories or, you know, that whatever it happens to be. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Cause it's like, yeah, a movie is like a book. It's uh, there's a finite point to it where you only get so much of a character. And so to, to be able to get a re-glance into a character um and their lives again in a new way is so exciting for people i think and then there's there's the silly thing of like making a movie into a musical and then the musical the movie musical into a movie again <laughs> i think we just go like a so crazy very that's mel brooks yeah. yeah yeah producers yeah. um young frankenstein yeah. Pretty much all Mel Brooks movies. I think Mean Girls was, I think I read that Mean Girls is being considered to be made into a movie musical, which is just so oh, funny God. to me because it's like, I remember, I remember in like 2014 uh, doing my version of a tweet, which is just posting text on Instagram. And I was like, <laughs> I, I'm guessing that we're going to have a Mean Girls musical <laughs> or we need a Mean Girls musical or something. And my friend was just like, isn't that Heather's musical? <laughs> it's like basically the same thing, but then they made it. Um, so I do claim that I predicted that was going to happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. That's so silly that <laughs> that we just transform them back into the next thing um, back and forth sometimes. Are, are there any movies that you like, you're interested in and you're like, why hasn't anybody made made something more with this, whether it be a play or a musical or is there anything like you're like, I would love for somebody to go back and look at this again. Hmm. That's a very interesting question. And I know it's a huge question. It's like, hey, (laughs) in the span of 30 seconds, can you come up with a very detailed answer that could literally contain anything? Well, can I pitch you my next project that I've just barely crack the surface on please please we'd we'd love to be we'd love to uh to market that as well well because if i say it here then it's almost like a copyright it's like i came up with it first. <laughs> i don't know if, i don't know if enough people are, are on to uh, <laughs> people listen to this for it to be a copyright but go ahead hey it's documented it's <laughs> on this date um so i'm working on mortal kombat the musical or like well i want to see like the mortal kombat musical experience um that is kind of fluid somewhere in between like planned songs and uh, a little bit of uh, uh, organized chaos kind of like dueling pianos-esque kind of yeah like i want it to be almost like a haunted house experience and like you travel from room to room Mm. and then depending on who meets up with whom like who who is fighting who then it depends on the song they sing so it's kind of like a a combination generated thing it's like medieval Um, times (laughs) yeah but i just feel like there's something in the in that like world like people just are drawn to those characters so much for me it's much more the nostalgic like 90s uh sentiment with the first few video games mm-hmm. and the first movie the second movie is pretty bad um but the, the the campiness of the first mortal kombat movie is like i loved that growing up and so i was like oh, this, this like i just want to see more like ripped people like fighting but singing about it <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean i i'm imagining a scene of like because when i play mortal kombat the game i haven't seen the movies 
but like I'm <laughs> I'm like struggling because I don't know any codes or anything. So I'm like picturing like the control of a person playing it as the character of just like <laughs> moving back and forth and like ducking and stuff. Uh, I'm guessing you're going more with the movie route where they're in control of their own bodies. Um. I, I mean, there is, there is a scene in the Mortal Kombat movie where uh, Liu Kang does just sweep uh, the leg over and over and over again. <laughs> there is a moment where they have these little like meta jokes that I that most people don't notice that are so good. So there is something about just someone uh, consistently crouching over and over again. <laughs> that would be so beautiful in, in a, uh, in a musical. I, I, I was thinking like the, the audience has controllers just for the feel of <laughs> yeah. it, you know? Oh, sure. Um, like sure. the little brother with the unplugged controller. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I do want it to be like, there's three main heroes you're choosing between Liu Kang, um, Johnny Cage and, and Sonya Blade. And based on like who you choose to be, I mean, you come back to that selection and there's going to be like a dip in the middle where like that person does die and they have to choose. Will they choose the same hero and give them yeah. a chance to continue or will they choose a different one? Um, but the the idea or at least the illusion of choice for the audience is like super interesting to me. So it's like, how can you make a live theater interactive e experience, but like still maintain control enough to have a musical? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that you, you brought up another thing. There's a um, there's a MacGyver musical where oh. MacGyver is not a listed cast member because they pull someone from the audience to play MacGyver every night. Whoa. That is, that is my nightmare. I that know. Is... That's why I haven't brought it up to you until now. <laughs> like, I, I have a lot of experience with theater, musicals, improvisation, but if I go to see a show and somebody wants me to perform... I turn into back into my 12 year old self that it's like, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. I shouldn't exist right now. Like, please, please do not acknowledge me. Oh, I'm the same way. If I go to a show, I'm, I, I'm like, I don't want audience participation. I mean, I think it's great and I build it into my own shows, but I never <laughs> want to be that person. <laughs> so um, that actually, the, the talking about like finding that balance of like, uh, like you said, kind of like, the creativity, the chaos, but with like the, the through line that kind of sparks something else for me is when making a movie musical, how do you kind of balance the, oh, this is kind of like the in-depth, the Easter egg versus like when you're writing some, how do you balance the idea of you're writing something for the fans of that property versus this is a brand new thing that people can experience, experience without any sort of prior knowledge? Yeah, um... I think for me, it was like kind of a love letter to the movies a little bit, but it's mm -hmm. not that I was like obsessed with them to begin with. I just like what I saw that I liked out of them, I was pulling and talking about and addressing. Um, and like those through lines with like like love, family and, and the time travel conundrum, like those those have been my rock to like get us through. Um, but but um, if you build relationships, I think if you if, if it matters, the the who and the why like if it matters who's talking to each other and why and how they feel about each other, I think any audience can connect to those parts. Okay. Yeah. So these are, I have, we have some kind of like silly questions, a little off the wall questions or just a little bit of non sequiturs. Um, so the first one I kind of want to ask is, do you have like a guilty pleasure musical? Are you a big musical theater person or is this kind of like a, you know, is it, is, is, are you more of like a straight play kind of, that kind of route yeah it's funny that i haven't like my roommate showed me oklahoma for the first time like two months ago <laughs> so like and she's like no you took the dream waltz from this i was like no i didn't she's like you did it oh it's <laughs> I was like, like, you, I don't you know, took it you took it from somebody who took it from the dream waltz you, you know <laughs> Probably. I mean, yeah, it's like a simulacra. Where did it come from? Simpsons mm -hmm. did it. I don't know. Like, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's just ingrained in my brain. Um, uh, what was the question? <laughs> Do you have like a guilty pleasure musical that like, um, like that people would be surprised to hear that like you are really into this thing? Oh, I, I like this angle of it. Let me think on that because my immediate answer was like, well, Little Shop. I love Little Shop. I've drawn off of Little Shop. Mm -hmm. Like that's the kind of uh, grit, but like 
dorky touch of sci-fi comedy like that's that's my zone (laughs) but gotta love some puppets um i mean i saw book of mormon and loved it of course um but i want to i want to go with a more surprising answer so i gotta i gotta think about this for just a moment oh Newsies. I love the shit out of Newsies. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is definitely a guilty pleasure musical for sure. Oh, Say yeah. it, say. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, yeah you can't sing any more the, of that song than what you just did. Because <laughs> Disney will come after us. Doesn't matter how small we are. Doesn't matter how, how what we did for the rest of the show. If we do more than a second and a half of their music, we are mm-hmm. done. Uh, <laughs> And well, that's. I'm just now realizing something I like about the musicals that I do like, and I I love impressive physicality. Mm-hmm. And uh, Newsies, the Broadway touring version of Newsies, I saw in New Orleans probably 2016, 2017, um, as I was ushering so that I could see shows for free. Yeah, because um, oh, yeah. <laughs> being a playwright there. in grad school uh, not very lucrative. Um, just being a playwright not very lucrative. <laughs> um, maybe for like two percent of people. Um, so, so watching Newsies, this 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 huge cast of kids of all ages dancing on these newspapers, and they're doing this like like hands on the newspapers, feet in the air, sliding around, doing backflips. It was just like, in so impressive. And I thought, oh, these kids get on a bus and like do schooling <laughs> in between <laughs> cities, and like get out and go do another newspaper dance. It's insane. I love um, when you're just watching something on the stage and your eye is here, then it's here. Oh, this is happening. I like really fast paced stuff. Like kind of the, the big spectacle of it, like something that's like only musicals could really bring because it's like, yeah, straight plays are great, but you're you not usually, getting spectacle from Death yeah. of a Salesman. You don't have you know? a ton of straight plays where there are just 20 people on stage at once doing something <laughs> like I, the grandness I, I, of that many people. I do have yeah. to say, um, there is a bit of a, a circular momentum thing here because, of course, Newsies is a movie musical because it right. was originally a movie starring oh. Christian Bale, who is, of course, in the fourth Terminator, Terminator song. <laughs> <laughs> where he famously, that. that's the that's the one where he got recorded berating a TA. <laughs> um, yes. the, oh, oh no. good for you. <laughs> That's that's the movie that he got caught um, doing that. So uh, yeah, um, Christian Bale. <laughs> Brie, is there that, anything? That... Oh, oh, I was just gonna say, is there anything in musicals that you or you wish you saw more of in musicals that you don't typically see? Hmm. I, I'm not sure if this is quite the question, but this is what my brain is leading mm-hmm. me to say: is that I wish that there were more mid level uh musicals um or at least like in in the community more than just um the new york area yeah i want to see more people trying musicals i want to see things that aren't super polished but are are trying to get there i want to see more ideas happening i don't want to just see like big producer stuff that is just like lined up we'll take this movie and we'll do this like i would i would just love to see more accessible musicals yeah um that you don't have to pay a hundred dollars a ticket for 100%. Well, well, do we have a podcast for you? Oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) Yeah, all of our musicals are very producible. (laughs) All of them. Uh, Some of them are very big budget. I would like to point (laughs) that out. Yeah, we have, like, live animals and cars. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. I would love to get some live animals in the mix uh, in, in a show. What's the last musical that you've seen like yourself that really kind of got you excited. Maybe if there was like a mid-level or something like that, that you really kind of like sparked something in you. Yeah. So it was more of like the first one I saw, um, but it was, it was not in person. I saw this on YouTube. This is actually something that inspired me uh, to move forward with Terminator. Um, Star Kid Productions did very Potter musical, mm, yeah. or very, yes. very, a very Potter musical, yes. uh, and Twisted, um, and then Which they had the so one, so fun, so fun, they had, um, they, they have had an another organ trail. one, they have an organ trail musical <laughs> that they nice. came out with, and the whole thing is like, you get to choose, like, you get to choose what they do, but it's just them choosing, you just get to choose the name of the actors, <laughs> and then that's it, that's the only thing. 
Um, it's, it's, so, it's the it's illusion great. of choice. That's, there is that's an illusion good of stuff. choice, yes. Um, but yeah, I think it was seeing that uh, because they like like they were decently produced um, and the, you know they filmed and and put it online and everything, but they just seemed like a group of folks that were just trying to get stuff out there that they believed in and that they were writing and that was parody and it was funny, but the music is good and the singers are good and and they just had these like fresh takes or perspectives um, about the characters and relationships and I was just like that I want to see that and I want to do that. I honestly don't think I've seen anything like that um, since then, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think if I lived in New York, uh, maybe I would. I would see, see more things getting, getting legs. Um, but it's few and far between in the South, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a little more, little more difficult. I mean, and, as, and you are in one of, one of the least South places, and it's still difficult. I mean, you're mm-hmm. technically the most South because it's Austin, but the least like of the South wow. versus like, yeah, I mean, like here in Dallas, it's not really it's like unless you got and unless you're a touring mu- musical, you mm-hmm. don't you don't have a chance kind of thing. Yeah, we need more fringe festivals across the states, I think. Where we can Agreed. Bring I other just, people's ideas into town. I don't think you can do a summer fringe fest in Texas. People will die. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like the heat, winter the fringe. heat. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to do <laughs> yeah. winter fringe. It's still and then 80 people, degrees in winter, so. You know. and people will yeah, still but die. then they might get hit with hail. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's just, or tornado. It's not great. That's why you have to do, that's why they do summer stocks up in like the Dakotas, because it's like, oh, the weather's nice there. In, in Maine. The summer. Yeah. In Maine and stuff like that. So True. here's a question that I'm probably, we kind of asked to a lot of our guests. How do you feel about puppets in theater and in musicals? Hmm. Um, there's a time and a place. Perfect. <laughs> if you can make it, if you can make it work, make it work. Uh, Avenue Q. That was one of the first musicals I saw. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. I I'm sure there's bad puppet stuff. Um, I guess that's true because like most of the time when a puppet gets introduced, it's already like whenever. Very rarely do you see anything. It's it's like a bit of a confirmation bias. By the time something gets to the point where it's popular and there's puppets in it, none of the bad stuff made it through that yeah, process because yeah. people see bad <laughs> puppet and they're like, oh, this couldn't be worse. I wonder how many shows have gone through a phase where they thought, we sh- should this character be a puppet? And we just never saw that rendition of it, you know, just... Uh... How many musicals don't even have a puppet at all in them in the end point? But there was potential. Oh, God. <laughs> some some producer, some director was like, we can't. Guys, we cannot put a puppet in here. I get it. I, it's like, it's just not going to work for this Bill Clinton musical. I don't, I don't know why Hillary Clinton was a puppet, but she was um, and she can't be. Yeah, no. No, I I could see I could definitely see if you're doing a a Bill Clinton musical, it's probably a Monica Lewinsky musical, right? Yes, I could see you making Jay Leno into a puppet. Mm. Yeah, he already is a puppet. Yeah, he's already a puppet. Exactly, we're not doing a lot of work, right? (laughs) And so it would be it would be a great thing of like really like you know having him be a part of the story the way that he was because he you know he is sort of the the all encompassing like this is how the media is portraying her, right? Like, but then to trivialize him in that way is probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. I'm William really likes pro, puppets. I'm pro puppet, yeah. William I'm is a big fan of puppets. Shows. I don't and like it when you say it that way. I really don't. William, it, William loves puppets. He famously really loves I puppets. I don't love puppets. So we've got about, <laughs> we, we've got about 10 minutes left. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> um, we've got about 10 minutes left. We have a couple games um, that uh, we, we kind of like to play if you'd be interested. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, Olivia, you're, you're called. Do you want the, uh, the generated movie or the three random sentences first? Hmm. Let's try the generated movie. We haven't done Let's that do one it. yet. Okay. So what we're going to do is we have this random movie generator that you put in the genre... And a couple other things. We'll probably just do the genre. Um, and you click it and it will generate four or five random movies. 
and then we can pick which one we would want to try and make a musical out of. Cool. Assuming we've heard of them. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm not saying this is how sometimes we figure out what we're going to talk be talking about, but it's not <laughs> not the way we've done it before. <laughs> Well, I was like, has this ever ended up in you just like starting a show <laughs> with your guests based on the we, idea? We do every once in a while. We will do randomly generated where we have a series of spinning wheels about a specific genre. And so we'll start with like, OK, what genre are we going with? And then we go down to, OK, this is a, a jukebox musical or this is a uh i think we did one with as a um we 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 did one where it was we were doing a hallmark musical and so we just had all of the things that are part of hallmark musicals like where what kind of location is it a magic christmas prince you know these <laughs> kind of questions and uh yeah it's a was lot the answer yes the oh, answer yes. was yes. Yeah. We, no, the answer was uh the 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 female lead was the daughter of santa and the male lead was a uh, prince it was it was <laughs> there was christmas and prince but they were not together technically. i was, love that the, you don't yeah, hear the, enough the, about santa's daughter no you don't. Well, anytime you do it is about it there's two options for santa's daughter and i'm not happy that i know this but i do know this the two options for santa's daughters in hallmark music movies um she's either a workaholic who wants to change the magic of Christmas into more of like, let's treat it like a business because she went to business school mm-hmm. or there's the party girl Santa who does not want to take over the mantle. Um, and she has to learn a lesson about taking over the mantle versus whenever it's the male version of Santa, the, the male, the son of Santa has to find a bride. That's always the, they have to get married <laughs> to somebody. Carry so that the way legacy. they have a Mrs. Claus exactly to carry on the legacy. It is never the other way around. And I think we actually did the party girl Santa. Did we? Yeah. We Carol kind, Carol Claus was very yes. polarizing. Well, Carol, <laughs> yeah. she's, she's a complex she was nor- woman. She was very North polarizing. Um, yeah. yeah, we we did the whole thing. We had like the best friend bit. It was a lot of fun. So, uh, Just Olivia. Just so you know, I'm, I'm going to write a horror movie called Son of Santa. Because oh, I like that. Oh, good. Perfect. <laughs> it, does, um, it does have a Son of Sam quality. You're, you're, you're totally right. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first, and we expect, I don't know, <laughs> maybe a a thanks, maybe. Associate producer's credit. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not even expecting that much. Okay, so genre. Let's, let's, so there's a lot of different types of genres. Um, do you guys have a preference? I was thinking either like action, adventure, or like fantasy. Bree, what do you want? What do you, what movies are hmm. you uh, most familiar with? <laughs> there is a genre. I mean... Action, but I think I'd like to go with adventure. Adventure cool. it is. Now, um, we could change the year if we want, but I think I'm going to keep the year because it gets you some really random ones. And there's going to be six options. So we can pick from those six. Okay. Okay. So the first one is Johnny English. <laughs> what is it's a 2003 that? Rowan Atkinson movie. Rowan Atkinson is Mr. Bean. It's like oh. he's being like, it's it's kind of like a watered it's a, a British get smart. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's like James Bond, but if he, it's, it's, it's like a James Bond parody. Essentially. Oh, I see. Um, Sky High. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Uh, the 2005 <laughs> movie where it, that's essentially my hero academia before my hero academia. I watched that movie too many times as a child. So good. Um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the okay, one with good. Kevin Costner. <laughs> yes. Oh, hell Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a movie called First Night. Oh, oh I know this movie. Yeah, it's the timeless tale of King Arthur and the legend of Camelot are retold in this passionate period drama. It's from 95. <laughs> um, a movie called OSS 117 Lost in Rio. I'm pretty sure it's a Portuguese film. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not that one. Uh, and then finally, Weathering with You. Uh, it's a it's an anime. It's about uh, Tokyo is currently experiencing rain showers that seem to disrupt and essentially a boy meets uh, or it's either a, a, two children meet each other and one of them is a rain god. Okay. It's a beautiful much, yes. story of love and self-discovery, yeah. um, but it's an, also an anime. And so we're picking a few of these. 
we can pick we can pick one i think we only prop might only have time for one because we went off on okay. that um hallmark <laughs> tangent but you know so i'm familiar with sky high of <laughs> <laughs> i mean i feel like we're all familiar with robin hood but i'm not sure if oh, it's fair yeah. to do robin hood or first night because those have already been done what about a knight's tale can we make that into a musical Huh. I, I mean, it's already, I would love a night. It's kind of already it's all, musical. It's I guess. all kind of already a musical. Box. It's kind of. I can always spin again too if we want to. <laughs> I'm pro Robin Hood because I think Kevin Costner's like portrayal of this and like the kind of thing that it is leans towards music. But mm-hmm. that's just that's just me. If we want to pick another one, I'm also down. Let's do let's do let's do Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That sounds good. So cool. first all thing right. that we need is everybody to do a British accent except for Robin Hood. That's the most important part yes. of the movie. Well, it's actually hit. most historically accurate, uh, his portrayal, really? because the English accent used to sound like the current American accent. There was like yeah. a flip that happened. Huh. And so he's actually spot on. Interesting. <laughs> it's, it, it's, uh, it's actually really a fascinating thing. And that's why there are these weird pockets uh, in Appalachia of people who talk with like almost British accents. It's like mm. high English. Yeah cool okay so so do we I, all i've not met sp- another i've not met another person who's known that so this is really exciting <laughs> <laughs> so main storyline of robin hood i think we all know it steals from the rich gives to the poor uh-huh that's mm-hmm. that's the that's the storyline so but what are we if we were to give like a two sentence pitch for how this robin hood is going to be different what okay, are we doing this it's the noises off version of Robin Hood, where this is actually the making of the movie of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yes. Oh, I like that. And so yeah, and there's probably, like a whole yeah. conflict between the director and Kevin Costner, and they're like, Absolutely, hey, like, but yes. like, can you be like British? And he's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Just trust me. <laughs> Just tr- I've done the research. <laughs> this goes back decades. You don't even know. That's like that's one of the songs. That's like the ending song. Is he uh, has an entire speech about? It's like it's the, like a Braveheart esque speech about how how the how he's actually supposed <laughs> to sound. Yes, I, yeah. and it, it's it's wonderful. We have Morgan Freeman as a narrator, right? Mm-hmm. And he's always coming on stage with an open book. Yes, hundred percent. Like, pausing and taking his glasses off. We do the fairy tale thing where there's the giant book. There's the giant book that says Robin Hood that opens up. In this on on the set that opens up and that mm. is when the show starts. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Ooh. A bit like there's Princess like, Bride. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I think How there's like it? a younger version of himself, like like Kevin Costner, like young Kevin yes. Costner mm. visits him, but is like Wa- dressed like Robin Hood. Waterworld Kevin Costner. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh my god, he's haunted by all the demons of all of his like past characters. Yes, oh. 100%. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so this is this um, is him trying to this is him trying to make up for his past characters. <laughs> this was 91, Spot. so I'm not even sure how many other past characters there were at that at this point. There but. there there are Ooh. a few. The unfortunate thing is Last of the Mohicans is after this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um was Dances with Wolves after this? I think it was. I He's haunted was, by so. his future roles too. Yes, <laughs> no, no, they're, they're roles wolves. are in his head. Yeah, it's the ghost. Gotta it's get with, these out. It's like Dances with Wolves is 1990, so we're good. Oh, we're oh. good. We're just, good. Nice. So, but this could be like um, a Christmas Carol. It's like Ghost of Future Past, Present, and a hundred percent. A Christmas Carol meets like being John Malkovich slash. It, I'm I'm liking this new like the the superstars play themselves um, <laughs> in a kind of fictional universe. It's very fun. Oh, yeah, like, the, like the, the new uh, Nick Cage movie. The new Nick Cage, yeah. yeah. Very fun fact. Um, the area, I, I grew up near Deadwood, South Dakota, um, and he had, I don't think he has it anymore, but he used to own, Kevin Costner used to own a casino there called oh. the Midnight Star, and it was three levels, and the top, very top level was like a fancy restaurant. The middle one was like, your family could afford to go to and then there's like the bottom floor of the uh casino and his costumes are on the wall everywhere so there's just these like big glass cases of like oh there's water world tin oh, cup <laughs> yeah so it's like a crappy version of uh i guess it's planet, also hollywood. Crappy. Pl- planet hollywood yeah so it, yeah. i was gonna just say crappy him. 
but it's also just Planet Hollywood because Planet Hollywood's not great. Planet Cosmic, yeah. <laughs> Planet Hollywood for one star. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what's our uh, what's our winning song? The one we would pitch to producers for this musical. We could think of one. Would it be him um, singing about his accent? <laughs> yeah, it's called. Um, I want to be a dialectologist. Yes. <laughs> and it's, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, that's a line in it, but it's like all these voices in my head, right? He yes. knows like the proper accents, but he has all these characters and like they're telling him how accurately like to portray the role, right? So yeah, he's like, they're pressuring the, the, these voices in his head. He, he knows how they sound and how they're supposed to sound and like how accurate things are supposed to be, but... People don't really like listen to him or trust his genius, so he gets frustrated. Mm. That's perfect. <laughs> it's because he's just too pretty. He's too pretty, so everybody just assumes he doesn't know. I, I feel like we're pro Kevin Costner here. Is that something that we <laughs> decided to be in this podcast? I don't know how I feel. I don't. I, I, moments. I, I I don't know enough about Kevin Costner to say whether or not I'm pro him because there's always a chance with these older white actors that they have gone very far off the deep end. We're pro his characters. I think that's maybe safe yeah. to say. Ooh. And so Alan Rickman is also in this movie. Yes, um, I forgot about that. And I think he plays a bad guy, right? He plays, he he plays the sheriff he, he, of Nottingham. Yeah. yeah. So I think that Offset, he's like a really nice dude who just cares about Kevin's well-being. <laughs> and so he's always just like checking in on him. And he's like, you know, I, I see a great therapist. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like he's trying to be his bud. And Robin Hood, uh, I mean, Kevin Costner just like pushes him away, you know. He's being all obnoxious and method about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> he won't let anyone Conflicting in. Conflicting emotions. There's a moment where Kevin Costner could believe that he is Robin Hood. Ooh. And and then the studio has to deal with that. Oh, that's fun. Oh, yeah. Almost he just like steals a... from every, everyone. This is, I'm pretty sure this is Libel's lawsuit, the musical, <laughs> that we're writing right now. <laughs> it's just, how do we want... How, how much evidence do we want Kevin Costner well, to have when he sees us? It, it's just one of those things that's like uh, he switches bodies with with the real Robin Hood, who actually looked exactly like Kevin Costner. If Kevin Costner can't get behind this musical, then I don't support Kevin Costner. He can't Whoa. take the joke. <laughs> Maybe we go a new direction, you guys. It's it's right. like it's um he he does the thing that um um. Oh my God! Why am I blanking? The guy who played Andy Kaufman—he's known for Jim so Carrey. much more. Jim Carrey. Thank you. Yes. Jim Carrey. He he does a Jim Carrey, and he just gets so into the role of Robin Hood that he starts stealing from rich people and like <laughs> big organizations and giving to the poor. And so it's about him like trying to like be this vigilante um, yeah. in L.A. while they're filming. I I love that direction too. <laughs> well, I think we found it. I think yeah. we cracked it. I think we solved it. Um. Uh, Brianna, thank you so much for being yeah. for coming on. Um, Is there anything else you want to you want to plug before we wrap up? Yeah, um, if anyone wants to follow at Terminator the Musical on Instagram. Um, that's also our Facebook handle, but Instagram is where most of the action happens. Um, we'll be doing things in the future. Hopefully this won't be the last, I mean, the end of this month won't be the last time like you hear about us. So, so follow us for, for updates. Okay, and um, can they? Uh, where can they find you? Do you have a website or anything? Uh... I have a link tree. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, I mean, if you want to plug my Instagram, that's fine too. Um, okay. It's at b l b i e t z, b l beats. Um, and my there's a link to my link tree on there, and it just has like um, upcoming shows. I'll post there. I'm doing comedy shows, stuff like that. Um, or if I have a new play come out. You have a podcast okay. yourself, don't you? Are you still doing? We took a little hiatus, but yes, if oh. you're a fan of Degrassi, um, as in the famed, you know, next generation Degrassi, um, as it's in the called Drake, uh, the Drake Degrassi, the Drake years, sure, <laughs> yes. Well, and we'll put all of this in our um, in the episode description and everything like that. Uh, thank you again. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Our net, we're. Uh, we learned a lot. Uh, I think we're going to take this and we're going to try and write our own musical with the uh, movie musical with this. So we're excited. <laughs> awesome. <Yeah. laughs> you guys are great. Thank you for having me. This was such a delight to talk about all of this. 
it was so fun talking with you too. And we're really excited um, for the rest of your musical wrapping up. It ends on the April 30th? last the last Saturday of April, which I think is the thirtieth. Yeah, nice. Okay, cool. perfect. Hey, everyone. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. And again, huge thank you to Brianna Beats. Um, You can follow her on a bunch of different things on Instagram. You can follow the musical. You can follow her. She's got her own podcast, um, the Fuck Your Degrassi podcast. If you like Degrassi, the next generation, that's the one with Drake. Um, Please go and follow those. We will put a link to the... um, to those on Instagram in the description of this podcast. So you could just get there directly from the description of the podcast. Um, so much fun to have you and we're really excited. And next week, the three of us are going to write our very own movie musical. We'll see what we do, but I think we've got a good chance. Um, we will in fact be back. We'll ha ha ha. Be back. Oh God. That we will be back. my humor bone. I now feel as humans do. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you liked what you heard, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you're enjoying this new kind of format that we're going with, uh, give us a like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to mu- wherever you listen to this podcast. We'd love for you to leave us a review, leave us a a, a like or a comment or anything like that. That really helps other people find us. Uh, Follow us on Instagram. We uh, Olivia bot three thousand. What yes. is our Instagram handle? Our Instagram handle is at We Wrote the Book Podcast. Perfect. Thank you so much. And uh, if you have any suggestions for um things that you would like to hear more about, maybe it's a historical um, time period, or maybe you have some good ideas for a musical, send us an email at We Wrote the Book Pod at Gmail Maybe if you have a song that you would like to share with us, maybe an intro, maybe a theme song, maybe a song for a musical that William was supposed to write that he never did. Um, Yeah, just send us a send us an email through there. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye. Good night, sweet human race.